welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 96 of the show where geeks talk about God and God followers talk about geeky stuff, mostly board games, but sometimes some other stuff too. My name's Luke Navarro. And I am Groot. <laughs> the, the little Groot or the big Groot? Uh, there's nothing little Groot about this man. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm so, I just literally finally got a chance to see Guardians of the Galaxy tonight. Oh, nice. That's a it good is, way to spend an evening. Oh, my. And, it, and of course, the beauty of it, it was my wife's idea. Ah, excellent. Call it a win. Call it a win. And I can totally see... Like, there's a lot of people for whom this is probably not their movie. But I could totally see it being your style. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is... I... I... Yeah, it's. I don't want to go into. Um, obviously, we're not going to do a, a review of Guardians no. of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But oh my goodness, this is. I I don't even have words for how awesome this movie is and how much I adore it. And yeah, I every minute of it made me happy. That's awesome. Looking forward to this year's Marvel uh, offerings, even Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd be excited for Ant-Man, but yeah. I love that they're like tug-and-cheeking it, though. That makes me happy. Oh, they have to. They have to. (laughs) It's Ant-Man. But, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that back in the day, Ant-Man was cool. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. I wasn't really. (laughs) I don't know that I was even alive when Ant-Man. When Ant-Man had its original run. (laughs) Yeah. But we're not here to talk about comics. We're not here to talk about movies. We're here to talk about games. Yes, we are. I've played a couple games that are about as unlikely as you could possibly imagine me playing. Okay, what are those? Okay. First one's a game called Quilt Show. Oh, I've heard I've actually heard great things about that, which is weird because it isn't it essentially make about a quilt? making <laughs> quilts and and entering them in quilting competitions. Whoa, whoa, yeah. that kicks it up yeah. to a whole other level. It's real, man, real. <laughs> okay, so what is Quilt Show? Quilt Show is, well, first we got to tell the story behind Quilt Show. There's of course a there's a story behind Quilt Show. There is a little old man who loves his little old woman. However, throughout their epic marriage, they have never been able to enjoy one another's hobbies. As you might imagine, her hobby is quilting. His hobby (laughs) is board gaming. (laughs) And so what does he do? He creates a game about quilting so that he and his little wife can enjoy their hobbies together. I can practically see the Ken Burns special already. Yes. And uh, to do that, he uh, straight ripped off Ticket to Ride. Nice. I'm talking... (laughs) Full-on rip-off. Okay. Not exactly, but most of the mechanics are straight out of Ticket to Ride. If you've ever played Ticket to Ride, you will totally grok this game immediately. Alright, so uh, basically you are collecting tiles. The tiles have one of maybe uh, eight different designs on them. And one of maybe eh, five different colors. So uh, you can purchase those tiles. Each one of those tiles has a different value. They're not based on the shape or the color. They're just random. And so you are uh, collecting money and you are drawing tiles. And uh, at the end of the game, whoever has the most money wins. Now, how do you draw the tiles? Well, exactly like Ticket to Ride. There are six tiles out. There's a draw pile. You, the only difference is in Ticket to Ride, you can take two cards or one wild. In Quilt Show, you can take three cards or one wild and one regular card. So basically, they're just one extra that you're drawing. Uh, you take those. Uh, you actually hide them behind a sewing machine, of course. And at the end of the draw phase, uh, which it goes on for a, uh, quite a while, then... You assemble all of your quilts, and there are certain sizes that the quilts must be, though basically they are anywhere between 3 
and I think six tiles, maybe eight. And the quilts have to either be all the same color or all the same shape. And at the end, you count up the values on all of your quilts, and whoever has the highest pointed quilt takes the first prize, which is some number of money. It's actually randomly determined each round. Whoever has the second most points takes the second prize, and so on and so forth, until the person with the crappy quilt either takes the last prize or doesn't even get a prize because their quilt isn't good enough. At the end of three rounds, whoever has the most money wins. This is Quilt Show. So what do you think of this odd little game about quilting? Um, one, it's... The quilting doesn't matter. Okay, It is a straight-up set collection game based on the Ticket to Ride draw mechanics. So, that means it's good. There you go. Okay. Right. <laughs> set collection? Good. Ticket to Ride mechanics? Good. I want to say peas sautéed with carrots and onions? Good. Good. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's a good game. It's not a great game by any means. It's not going to be somebody's favorite game. However, I think just the the uniqueness of the theme has value. And I think it has value in two places. One, because there are people like me who are just really sick and tired of playing games that are just like, well, here's a map, and we're going to win stuff on a map. Or, you know, here's a set of buildings, and you're going to do stuff with a set of buildings. Awesome, we love that. But hey, when you've played a hundred of them, you know, you're kind of looking for something new. And this is new. <laughs> right, this is this is way new. I, I guarantee there has never been another quilting. There probably has never even been another sewing game. But I could be wrong about this, but probably. And uh, so that's nice. But also, it is a very... Um, connectable theme. People get it, right? You got the tiles, you put the tiles together to make a quilt. That's really easy to understand. And you know what? It's similar to Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride is... Right? What do you do? You're connecting cities with trains. Okay, I get that. Um, So I think this would be a good intro to gaming game for somebody who does not want to have the big old giant board with a bunch of pieces that is Ticket to Ride. This is like the intro game for people who can't handle Ticket to Ride. Well, and and if that story that you were telling at the beginning was not just you blowing smoke and is actually the No, no, the that's a legit of... story. No, that's real. <laughs> if that's the legit story of the game, it sounds to me like it definitely accomplishes what the guy set out to do, which was make a game about quilting because his wife loves quilting. It seemed like that it fits perfectly there. It does, and the, you know, the theme works. Um, Again, it could be, it's not particularly tight, um, but I can't see, I I mean, I guess I don't know enough about quilting to know how uh, you would need to do anything more specific than just having patches, or I think they're called patches. See, I don't know much about quilting, but... um, (laughs) It works. It's a decent game. Nice. So the second game that I played, that is completely outside of my wheelhouse, I'm not going to say it's not a decent game, but I will say I despised this game. (laughs) I, okay, so first off, I want you to understand, before I describe the game, I'm going to give you the final score. Okay. Player number one, which is not me, nine points. Player number two, doesn't even bother adding up his points. Player number three, who is me, 61 points. <laughs> what in the <laughs> world? When you said nine, I was expecting, okay, we're going to be like 15 or, or zero. But when you said 61, okay, what were you playing and how bad was it? So I want you to understand that this is a game that I won literally seven times over. And I did not enjoy doing it. And it is a game called Paperback. Oh, I had heard about this, and I remember thinking that the theme was interesting, but I didn't know. I did how, too. How I was like, worked. "That's an amazing idea. It's going to be awesome." 
Ex- explain it to the people. Okay. Paperback is a deck building game meets Scrabble. So it is a deck building game in which each of the cards represents a letter or multiple letters and you are building words with your cards. So let's first uh, take a step back and make sure everybody understands what a deck building game is. We've talked about a lot of them. Dominion, Ascension, Star Realms, probably some more that I'm not thinking about right now. But it is a game in which you start off with a basic deck. Relatively boring deck. Uh, And in paperback, the deck consists of basically those letters that they give them to you for free in Wheel of Fortune. You know, the RST, LNNE kind of deal. Uh, And a whole bunch of wild cards. So you draw your hand, your first five cards, off of your draw deck, and you build a word with those. And for that first turn, you're basically going to have maybe one, two, three letters, and a whole bunch of wild cards, depending on the luck of this, the shuffle. But And it'll be really easy to make a, a word out of those, um, because you have so many wild cards. Each of the letters, not the wild cards, but the letters, are worth some number of points. I think basically kind of connected to the uh, frequency of the letter in the English alphabet, sort of like Scrabble, but I, I wasn't necessarily sure if that was the case. But you get a couple of points, and from those you can buy letters from a pool in the middle. And uh, that pool consists of letters from two points all the way up to eight and also four, basically, Pulp Fiction-style books. And the Pulp Fiction-style books take on two, about three, really, uh, important purposes. One is they are wild cards. Two is they are worth a ton of victory points, or can be worth a ton of victory points. And three, once the two piles of the Pulp Fiction novels are eliminated, or are bought, the game ends. And the the number of books in that pile depends on how many players are playing. So you purchase some new new uh, you use your points. You purchase some new letters. The the cheaper letters are maybe one letter. All of the not many of the letters have special abilities. They don't have very powerful special abilities, and uh, those go into your discard pile as well. We continue to do this when your discard pile is empty. You then shuffle up that discard pile and continue drawing new cards. So what ends up happening is you are building your deck. You are putting more powerful cards into your draw pile, and also along the way there are some mechanisms for getting rid of less powerful cards, and so that by the later levels in the game, you're able to play much larger cards, much more points, purchase much bigger things, and you have this snowball kind of an effect, an engine building kind of effect. Well, all that's great. Okay, we love deck building games. They're extremely popular. But here's the issue with paperback. What ended up happening was there was no sound at all during the game. Now, I don't know if we were just all three of us kind of stupid players, but when you have to think about how to make words and how to use the special abilities in combination... It's not as easy as, well, I'm going to blow up this spaceship, or I'm going to kill this monster. You have to have, you know, it's like Scrabble, right? you got to sit there and stare at your letters for a little while before you can (laughs) figure out what's the best word I can make. Well, when you're staring at those letters, you're really focused, you're not saying anything, you're kind of not paying attention. So what ends up happening is you have no idea what the other players are doing. They could be playing very powerful words. They could be playing completely incorrectly. They could be playing just about anything, and you don't notice because you're so focused on what you're doing. In fact, I can't tell... I, I lost count of the number of times we lo- all looked up at each other and went, uh, whose turn is it? Um, yeah, I went and made this, and the, oh, well, I think I did this, and then I did... So it must be your turn. <laughs> you know, we were just completely lost... Um, it's actually fairly hard to do to come up with letters, especially on the fly, especially if you're playing late in the day. And the simple fact of the matter was, I maybe because I've played a whole lot of deck-building games, maybe because I 
you know, I'm a communicator for a living, so I know a lot of words. Like, we did have this several times, a situation where, like, I would play a word, and they would be like, that's not a word. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it is. Sorry. Pat on the head. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, just, it did not engender any connection with the other players. And the mechanic is fine. Fine. No problem. And if you've got, like, a group of, like, hardcore boggleheads or something that just love word games, or you're always playing words with friends, or you're you're just hardcore like that, and maybe if you've got a group of those people where making those words would not require such a large portion of your brain as it does for me, um, yeah, maybe you would have fun with that. But for me, it just ended up being a complete and total dud of a game. Well, I think that sums it up nicely. <laughs> he has nothing to say. That's the end of the conversation. Here's, I mean, that's always been an issue when it comes to deck builders. Uh, I think Star Realms is the first one that's really tackled it head-on by making it, like, head-to-head, you do damage to the other player. Right. But even the the very nature of deck builders says, I'm going to be in my own little world, in my own little deck, in my own little plan, I'm going to buy up the cards that I want and stick them in my deck. Like, that's always been kind of the way these things function. Then you put this higher-level brain function required to start stringing this stuff together in a cohesive unit and I could easily see how people would kind of mentally retreat and kind of need to back themselves up. As you described it and you kind of talked about some of the problem, not the problem, but just the inherent difficulty with deck builders. I, I, I think something also kind of just registered in my brain why this game, uh, it, another part of the problem. Okay. So when you're playing say star realms, right? There's maybe what four or five cards uh, in the in the to purchase pool, right? Yes, so there are five. Well, f- five and the one always there card. Yeah, sure. So you're looking at that, and you're you you can there's a a small enough number there that you can think about what do I want, and generally you can purchase a couple out of that pile, and so you and your opponent could really want the same thing. You can kind of figure out, like, okay, he's getting a lot of greens, right? So he, he's maybe working on green combos, so maybe I should get a green in case just to stop him from getting that combo power, right? Well, here, one, there's 12 things to choose from, you know, and you're generally only buying maybe two a turn, maybe. And with letters... You can't get a clear idea of what your opponent's trying to do. They're just collecting letters. So it, it's just a really... Uh, it, to me, it's, just, it's not a good game. <laughs> it, it's, so. it's hard to plot a strategy against something that you can't determine. Right. So, I do have one other thing I want to talk about. It's not a board game, but it kind of is. Sort of in a way. It's a uh, video game, an indie game. It's available on Steam, but it's also available on Xbox One and PS4. Called Hand of Fate. Yes! Have you seen this game, So Mike? good. So good. Oh, you've played it. I haven't played it, but I've seen it. Okay. I've seen it played. This game is hard to describe. It's kind of a mashup of a lot of things. It's sort of a mashup of a role-playing game, but not like a computer role-playing game, like an old-school pen-and-paper role-playing game. A little bit of a deck builder, like we were just talking about. Um, a little bit of, like, the really old-school, the the gold box D&D computer games, like Eye of the Beholder, and I can't think of any of the other names, but, um, and for those of you who are listening who are too young to know what we're talking about. These were really early computer role-playing games in which uh, they were graphical, though. They weren't text games. In which you had a party, uh, but you moved through a 3D space, which was a big deal back then, folks. Okay? (laughs) But it wasn't real-time. So you'd click forward, and you'd move forward into a room, and you'd then deal with that room. 
you'd turn to the right, and then you'd deal with that room. And then you'd move forward, and you'd deal with that room. Well, the way this plays out is you, you end, the game starts, and you sit down at a table with this mysterious figure, and there's a card game to be played. No introduction, no explanation, nothing. Just here, play this game. And uh, it's, he says, there are cards in front of you, choose your path. And you have a little figure, and you just move, pick a card and move toward it. Every time you hit a card, something happens. Uh, the card is revealed, and it is essentially an encounter. And that encounter could be combat. That encounter could be a story bit in which you have to make decisions. And based on your decisions, and then also a random card draw, you might succeed, you might fail, things might happen. Uh, it could be a store where you can buy stuff. It could be all kinds of things. In fact, I've only been playing for a couple hours, so I'm sure there's a whole lot of other things it could be. If it is combat, then you are sucked into a game world, and the combat is Batman style. Batman Arkham style. So basically, you're comboing, uh, you're using your abilities, using special weapon abilities, using artifact abilities to defeat whatever the opponent happens to be. And you are making your way along a path, the path made of these cards, to defeat this uh, opponent's heroes. You defeat a hero, and you've beaten that level, I suppose. And along the way, you are picking up tokens. Certain cards give you, if you defeat them, give you a token. That token will then give you new cards that you can add into your deck later. Um, In between each level, you can then go in and modify your deck. You can change both the weapons and equipment side and also the encounter side, so you have some control over the encounters you're going to see. What makes it interesting, of course, is the opponent gets to throw in some encounters and equipment, but also you don't ever get to see what those encounters or equipment do unless you engage them in the game. You may have them, but you don't get to see what they do until you've actually played against them. So you can't try to game the system and decide ahead of time what you want to do. And even if you come across the same card, a card that you've experienced in the past, there is some randomness, and so things may come out a little bit differently. Now, I don't know if I did a good job explaining this game, because it's really hard to explain, because it's a really unique game. It's not a perfect game by any means. It's an indie game, which means it's kind of janky at times. The frame rate can get a little bit chunky. There are The combat is not nearly as elegant or as precise as, say, a Batman or Shadows of Mordor or even Assassin's Creed, and Assassin's Creed kind of sucks. And yet, there's something really appealing about this game. There's something that's so old school, and I can't even describe what it is that this thing is some spot in my brain that I didn't remember that I had. That it takes me back to a day a long time ago, but it's not taking me back to anything specific because this is so different. But it, it just resonates with so many of those experiences that I had as an early gamer, both as a early computer gamer, but also as an early board gamer and war gamer and card gamer. And that brings it all together in a in a kind of a cool experience. And, like, somebody give this dude, whoever it is that made this game, give him a giant pile of money and let him make something awesome. Because this is already great. And give him a giant pile of money and it'll be amazing. Yeah, no, I, I've seen a lot of different videos of this. And, and I gotta say, the, the interaction between the gameplay and the, the dealing of cards and... I, I really like how you have the ability to stack the deck in your favor, really, which is something that doesn't happen a lot in this kind of thing. The idea that you get to craft the whole world that you're going to see in, in, right. in the next couple of seconds, it, it really is kind of interesting. You get to add like weapons and stuff to make your guy better, and it's really interesting, too, because 
it it kind of puts you in that immersive state because not only do you get sucked in like graphically do you get sucked into the card on the table you also have that moment of oh look i play my shield and my hammer mm-hmm. or my axe and and he, the guy actually like reaches up and grabs it from the sky it, it's so cool it reminds me so much of that moment at the beginning of the old dungeons and dragons uh cartoon where it's like ranger uh, Cavalier, like all that stuff, and all of a sudden, this is the weapons appear from the sky. It's just awesome. Yeah, the same thing happens with the enemies. It, one of the, I guess, to try to describe the deck building mechanic, it's very similar to uh, Pathfinder, the card game. So each Pathfinder, when you you're going through, you run into enemies, you run into treasures, whatever you're drawing out of the out of the box. Uh, new stuff that you can keep if you would like and but then at the beginning of the next adventure you don't just get to keep everything you have to whittle it down to a certain number of cards that meet a certain criteria and it's the same case here you can't just throw everything into your deck you've only got a certain number of cards and so you have to make decisions do I want the big hammer that does a ton of damage or do I want the little sword that also freezes people or or whatever um and so it's just a good experience. It's only twenty bucks, and I bought it full price. So there's a real good chance that it's going to be on the cheap on Steam relatively soon. Uh, I bought it on uh, PS4 because I like a couch, but I am sure that it is great on any uh, platform. Really interesting experience. A game I think board gamers will like. I think computer gamers will like and I think old dudes like us will really like I, there, there's been a, a wave of stuff hitting Steam and whatever that just has that old school tabletop vibe like uh, Darkest Dungeons I don't know if you've Darkest seen Dungeons, it. Um, Sunless Sea yeah these are all things that look very much like old school tabletop experiences brought really well into a PC kind of environment. Oh, uh, can I say one other thing about this that's old school? Yeah. It'll kick your butt. Oh, I'm sure it will. Okay, the first couple levels I was like, hey, this is boring, and then I beat the first, like, wave of guys, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm gonna die. And, (laughs) like, there were times I died on the first freaking card. Wow. So, in a sense, it's got a roguelike kind of vibe to it as well. Also cool that this is a very much you can jump in and play, jump back out, jump back in again later. You don't because each one of these sort of levels is a self-contained experience. They don't take that long, maybe fifteen minutes. So yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it is perfect for an old guy. That's all I gotta say. It's perfect for an old guy. I don't know how you young folks are gonna appreciate it. Let me know. (laughs) I I think maybe uh, I'm gonna challenge you a little bit. I think maybe it'll be a little too hard for some of you youngins. Did I say that? I did! Ah! Gauntlet thrown. Gauntlet thrown. So, Mike, speaking of gauntlets, have you thrown any gauntlets lately? Mostly my gaming has been... I've been playing some of the old standards. We've already mentioned Star Realms. Recently, it's been hard to get together with anybody because... Because you're under a giant pile of snow? Yeah, we're in, like, Snowpocalypse (laughs) number five, I think. (laughs) Five or six, at least. I think this is Winter Storm Bernie or something. I don't know. (laughs) You were telling me that you have discovered something that may help with this problem. Indeed. I was floating around the YouTubes because, again, like I said, there's not much going on right now. And I I went to this one channel that I, I, I go to for my video game knowledge. And they're playing Battlestar Galactica, the board game. But they're playing it in a way that I'd never seen before. And I'm like, how how are they even pulling this off? And so they started talking about it, and I realized that on Steam right now, we were already talking about PC gaming, on Steam right now there's this little thing called Tabletop Simulator. Speaking of com- board games and computer games coming together... Tabletop Simulator, at first I thought it was just going to be... Because if you look, if, if you've do, done any kind of PC gaming, there's like Surgeon Simulator and... And all sorts of little silly games. There, there mm. really are just silly games. You thought it was going to be like the game dev, vel- game dev simulator of board gaming? Look at me. I picked up this board game and, you know, here's the table and whoopsies. 
And I'll tell you what, their their advertisement certainly did not dissuade me from this because their advertisement is look, pick this up, flip the table. Like like it's all like going over the fact that it works on a, a, a physics engine, basically. And so I didn't think anything of it. I thought this was just going to be something stupid. I can't believe they're charging 15 bucks for this. Why on earth would anyone do this? For fancy chess. <laughs> right. Then, because of this, this video showing a bunch of people online getting together over Skype and playing Battlestar Galactica, I decided to look into it. And I decided, I said, you know what? For inroads, for glory, I'm going to do it. And so I put down the 15 bucks and I downloaded it. And oh my goodness... Oh my goodness. I don't know how it's all going to work with, with you know PCs versus Macs versus who needs what. But I'll tell you what. We are going to be working hard to make sure that, that Inroads Plays might get more of a board game angle. Like Right now, all our talks about doing the Inroads Plays videos, which you can find on our site if, if, if you haven't heard about these yet. It's all been both the stuff that we've already done... And the stuff that we plan on doing in the future is all about role-playing games because you don't need the table for that. It's nice, but it's not necessary. And there are a few different tables for role-playing games already that are online. Right, right. This this tabletop simulator, it, because of the fact that the modding community is huge, uh, as, as of right now I looked at the available mods that you can download for this thing, and it's up over... It's almost about 3,000 different mods for this. So is and this just like a whole lot of different kind of chess? No. It comes, you know, with all that stuff in there. There's chess and go and dominoes and all that stuff is built into the game to begin with. But what people have done... Now, obviously because of copyright and stuff like that, you can't put everything in the game onto this without going through huge licensing issues. So you do have to know how to play the game. You have to have access to the rules and know how to play the game. This thing won't do it for you. But if you know how to play the game, like say you own it on, you know, in the real world, or say you've played it at your local game store and you know how it's played, you can download different games and have them appear virtually on this... this I don't even... It's a simulator. I don't even. It can't even call it necessarily a game in and of itself. It's a simulator. For instance, that you know, just waiting for everybody to get on and get ready to record tonight. I happened to download King of Tokyo. Wow! And and boom, there it was, right in front of me. All the pieces, including the expansion pack that gives you the the mutations, sitting in front of me. I was able to explore. I was able to to pick up the cards. And this is the cool thing, because normally you'd think, oh, well, everyone can see your cards. This thing even works it out where there are, there are certain sections that are considered player sections in this this simulator. And if you bring your card over to your section, only you can see that card. If the other players, you know, hu- you know, take their mouse and click on it, it'll just show card hidden or this is the back of the card. It won't show you what the card is as long as it's within that section. And so you have full knowledge of what you have in your hand, but no one else can see it. This, the potential for this is so huge. This is interesting. So first off, folks, we should say, A, this is an early access game. Oh yeah, it crashed on me a bunch of times within the the 20 minutes I've been exploring. And B, we have no idea what the legality of all this stuff is. We have some theories about how it might work, but we don't know. So your mileage may vary. So if but, this comes crashing down on our heads... Right. We are no not lawyers, and this is not legal advice. Now, right. <laughs> so it's interesting, because there are some games that came out recently. Uh, I'm thinking most notably Alchemist and XCOM. Yes. And these are two board games, like traditional board games, that have a significant digital interface. They, you cannot play the game without apps. You, the, the apps are just as much part of the game as the tokens or the dice or whatever. And you know, I kind of look at that and go, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Okay. But this is different. This is a tool in which there are no mechanics 
There are no, there's nothing in the background that is figuring out the math, determining what's going to happen next, doing the scores, any of that. This is just pieces. Uh, there is a there is a tutorial in the front of this, and I go, okay, show me what the tutorial is, and it basically shows you this is how you pick up a card, this is how you pick up a deck of cards, this is how you pick up one dice. Or one die. This is how you pick up multiple dice. This is how you shake them. This is how you shuffle a deck of cards. Like, that's all it is. That's a tutorial. It's basic gaming mechanic. It does nothing to show you how to play the individual games on the mod. So it's literally just a physical simulation of the parts. Now, I think that's kind of cool. Because I think that creates a more board game-like experience. There's a ton of board games you can play online. Uh, you know, you can play Small World. You can play Ticket to Ride. You can play Lords of Waterdeep. You can, and they're all exactly the same as the board game equivalent. Uh, but in that case, the app is running the game for you. It's doing things in the background. Maybe it's running AI characters. All of that. That is completely not what this is. And I think this might actually be better. Especially in terms of what we do here at Inroads. Yeah, everything everything we do is about bringing community together. About bringing people to the table. And obviously we're still a huge proponent of doing that in the physical realm. We're all about the, the incarnation of physically being across the table from the people you're playing with. But... As any of us who live adult lives with day jobs and families and assorted responsibilities, sometimes we want to play, but don't have the ability to go to someone's house and not, you know, we're not able to figure out what to do with the kids or whatever. This provides you an opportunity where you can hop on, turn your webcam on, and chat as you're playing with... with, I can't say physical objects, but simulated objects that is pretty much the closest thing you can get to the physical game without the physical pieces. Now, I'm going to say something a little weird here. There are times, lots of times, when you play board games, when you make mistakes. When you maybe forget a rule, or you misread the rule, or you do something out of order, or whatever. Or a house rule. Yeah, or a house rule. If you're playing an app... That doesn't happen. The app fixes your mistakes or tells you you're making a mistake or just doesn't allow you to do it. I actually think the ability to make mistakes or, like you said, house rule something is cool. It's right. more authentic. And it's part of the gaming experience, you know, part of it. Now, sometimes, don't get me wrong, when you make those mistakes, it could be game-breaking and whatever, but sometimes that's just part of be- playing with people. In the same way that, you know, if you're playing baseball, sometimes you drop the ball. Well, and even, that that will even allow for stories. That allows for moments. Right, exactly, that's what I mean. I can't believe we screwed that up that badly. You want, you want a good example of that? I'll give you a good example of that. Because I had to, you know, get on Twitter immediately following episode 95... And say, by the way, Lance Hill, designer of Kings of Israel, called me out on the fact that I was playing it completely wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> awesome. He's like, there's. He he said he goes, it's a great episode. Loved what you said about my game, but I think you played it wrong. He <laughs> says, says, did you do this with the the foretold events? I'm like, yeah, no, Lance, I totally did that. That's exactly how I played it. He goes, did you do short lived Kings? And I'm like. What's a short-lived king? (laughs) And apparently there was a whole big rule where if you're playing with three or four people, there are uh, spaces on the the, the timeline of the kings. Right, that you skip. No, no. No, no. They're they're, they're marked as three to four player. And I thought, oh, so if you're not playing with three or four players, you skip those and that's how that works. No, 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 no. What those mean is if you're playing with three to four... That beca- that becomes a short-lived king, which means the bad thing still happens, but the prophets don't get to go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's an entire town, ta- an entire turn of all that bad crap happening, 
without the ability to fix it. All right, so he's coming on the show. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, I'm making it So we're going to fix this and make sure that you guys get a more accurate review. I haven't had a time to, to fix it in, in my, at my table because, again, Snowpocalypse number 67.5. But, but the second I get some people together, we're going to fix this. And I might even record it just because I want to do right by him. Right. Definitely we'll have an article at least. Yeah, something will happen. Alright, Mike, you didn't ask for me this time, but I'm coming in anyway. Hi guys, Future Mike here to say I actually did go back and play Kings of Israel again with the short-lived King's Rule in place. I want to apologize to the folks at Fun Hill Games for kind of screwing up the rule set and not getting it right the first time. But I was really just being a lazy gamer and assumed when I saw the 3-4 to four player only or 4 player only that, oh, I, I guess you just use those spaces only if you have those players. Luke did it too. Uh, I, I didn't give it due diligence, and I, I'm really sorry about that. With this rule in place, where rounds basically include getting either just the sit and punishment card, or in one rare instance, just the blessing card, and that's it, rounds start ticking by really quickly. And if you hit a bad combination of cards back-to-back without having to the ability to prepare for it or you know recover from the, the aftermath of it, everything can fall apart really quickly. Our game had back-to-back foretold events popping right on back-to-back short-lived kings. It almost destroyed us. All this to say that I was way too harsh last episode saying that the game lacked bite. It's definitely there. I will still stand by my caveat that the game seems to really hit its stride if you add the false prophet, but even without him, it's not easy. We ended up winning, but to say that the board wasn't clear this time would be an understatement. And forget Brimstone and Fire, man. That card is a jerk. Alright, I'm going to bring you back to those guys, so enjoy the rest of the episode. Future Mike out. Yeah. Because... Because I, the second he, he told me this rule, and I sent it off to the players, I said, guys, we need to play this again. All of them came back to me and said, oh, yeah, that would make that way harder. That would make, that, would make that way more challenging than we were playing it. So, but, and see, that's the thing. You learn this stuff and you, you have these moments because you can screw up and there isn't an right. app sitting behind you going, by the way, you can't do that. Right, and as contrary as it might seem, I think it's a good thing. Now, I want to talk for a second about how you think this might affect the industry. Now, of course, at the moment, it's a little game. A lot of people have probably downloaded it, but it, you know, this is a this is an interesting development in board gaming. Now, it could just be a blip, and it could not happen, and whatever, or it could get sued out of existence. Who knows? But I'll tell you the thing about this that most intrigues me is the demo factor. Like, games are expensive. And some poor fool has to be the guy who drops the money on the game before your game group can dec- can play it. And yeah, we have lots of videos. You can listen to a podcast and have people tell you about games. You can <laughs> uh, get all kinds of reviews, but it's not the same as playing the game. You don't know whether you're going to like this game or not. You know, a game like, say, Machi Koro where watching the reviews, I thought, hey, I'm going to like this game, but it turns out I kind of didn't. And until you play it, you don't really know. I I think it'd be amazing. I think it would be awesome for even game companies to say, hey, you want to try our game? Here you go. Play it online. And I can tell you for a fact, keeping with your example, that Machi Koro is one of the games you can download for this right now. (laughs) There you go. But... Um, I don't, I, you know, we were talking before the show and I kind of went, whoa, wait a minute, is this legit? And you pointed out, Mike, you don't think that this would be something where people would replace their board games. You think it would be something actually that would encourage them to pick up the actual game. When, when I first opened it up, again, the first thing I saw was these guys playing Battlestar Galactica. Now I've never played Battlestar Galactica. I, I've always been intrigued by it, but it's it's way too heavy for the people at my table, so I'm not spending that right. kind of money on a game that may or may not see the light of day. But I really want to play it, 
So the first thing I did was I went over to the workshop and I go, click, download Battlestar Galactica. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know anything about what's on that table. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea what those pieces mean, other than vague notions of what other people have told me about it. There's no way you could play it. There's no way, unless I had somebody literally go step by step by step by step, and I was taking notes that I would be able to play that game on this. This is something that not only encourages, but requires at least one person to own this game. Or have, bare minimum, played it so many times that they have the rules memorized. Now, can I devil's advocate you a little bit here? Certainly. Battlestar Galactica is an intense game. Oh, yeah. So, you're right. Big ol' Euros? (laughs) No way. No way! But, another game you mentioned that was actually available, uh, as we were talking before we recorded, started recording, is a game called Suro, which I own, and I think you do too. I do. It's super simple. It's a fun game, but super simple. Now, that's the kind of game where I could see people being like, hey, I watched it once on YouTube, I totally know how to play this, and you can play it. And you know what? You probably could. I I can't say that, that you wouldn't be able to with something that's on that kind of level of simplicity. Like I, And by the way, folks, I did pick the simplest game ever. <laughs> it, it literally is place a tile down, follow the line. That's... You can't, you can't go more simple than that. So yeah, I think that in that case, it, it, you could. You could get away with it. But quite frankly, I don't know why someone would, would worry about that. Because for the kind of game that can function that simpli- with that kind of simplicity... People aren't going to be playing that online. People don't want to play that online. Right. The beauty right. of those the beauty of those games are that they're filler games. They're games that you say, oh, they're beer and pretzel games. They're not I'm going to sit down at my computer and and find people to play this. This is the kind of stuff you do when your buddies are just sitting around doing nothing. Right. I will say that a game that automatically sets itself up that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah, the board is set up. And and it it's it's kind of awesome. It the, obviously it's not perfect, and it is for if you've ever played one of those goofy you know simulator games, you do have to worry about it. It works on a physics engine, so if you're gonna knock something off the table, it's going off the table, and you have to deal with that, and it's annoying. Well, I roll dice off the table all the time, so <laughs> I will say I will say that this has a lot of potential. Yeah, I don't think it will ever replace the physicality. I don't think it will ever take away from that. It's it's the same argument that people say about ebooks killing books. It won't ever do that. Even if this is perfect and they get out of early access and everything is beautiful and super well put together and it never crashes, it's still not going to replace the physical game. In fact, I will make the argument that it will encourage you to buy the physical game. Because I downloaded, everyone that I downloaded besides that Battlestar Galactica test thing, everyone I downloaded is a game that I already have in physical form. And I'll tell you what, if somebody else downloaded it and said, alright, I'm going to teach you guys how to play this, and I really liked it, I wouldn't be like, oh, cool, now I know how to play it on this virtual thing, I don't need to buy it. No, what I'm going to say is, crap, where am I going to find the money to buy this game because I really (laughs) liked it. Yeah. Well, you know, folks, we're always trying to find ways to play with you. And this is a potential. We're going to look into it, and we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. And as you said, Mike, it's a ga- gaming system that can help when, say, there's a 27,000 feet of snow outside. Or when, say, all of the board games are stuck on a boat. And actually, the the games are no longer stuck on the boat. They were just temporarily stuck on a boat uh, but it was kind of a big story in uh, board gaming I thought we'd take a few minutes to talk about it folks if you pay attention to the news uh, you might know that for a weekend a long uh, holiday weekend the ports in California or maybe all along the west coast 
were closed. And uh, turns out they don't do uh, board game manufacturing there in the heartland of the United States. They do it in the heartland of China. And so... Which made it really annoying for people like Luke and myself who have either pre-ordered or ordered some kind of game and have been waiting patiently for that game to arrive. And it's been sitting on a boat in the Pacific for the past however many weeks. Right. I, I love... Uh... I love, I love that Fantasy Flight Games has actually just kind of said, you know what, we're embracing this, so if you go uh, to their coming soon games, some of them will just literally tell you they're on the boat. <laughs> and nice. Uh, and so uh, there were uh, a whole lot of container ships that were stuck waiting outside the harbor, and I, you know, I, I don't really know all of the facts and figures, but I can basically sum it up by saying... There's a ton of stuff that was delayed, like a like a bunch, okay, uh, like everything, right? Like everything that we buy, and so then, of course, just having the closes for the weekend, even though it's backed up now, everything's backed up, everything's delayed, the whole shipping process it just kind of snowballs out, um, and you know, Mike, we've seen this with Kickstarters. Uh, and even, you know, full-on big board game companies, um, the process of getting the games into the country, on the on the boat, into the country, past customs, can uh, really, really delay board games. You know, last year, uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault, they was supposed to be there before Christmas. It missed. Yep. Why? Because of the delays. And we could repeat that story over and over and over again. Now, maybe you're not the kind of person who's like, I need to buy it right now. <laughs> and, I, and I actually would encourage you not to be that kind of person. But for all of us, there's going to be that that game that comes along that's like, oh, I have to have it. And, you know, sometimes they, they get slowed down. And uh, apparently this is something that is a big problem for the board game industry. Now, you're experiencing that quite literally right now. I am, because a game... Now, granted, there was a window. It's not like this has been delayed to a point that it... I, I'm like, I was supposed to get this three months ago. Like, I understood when I signed up for the pre-order for Specter Ops that it was going to be between one and five months from now. So, it it's not like I am I feel, like, shafted. That's, that, I'm not. that's not a window. That's, like, a, a missing wall. <laughs> <laughs> That that's more of a field, but uh, but what happened is is that like I was just listening to their podcast. The guys at Plaid Hat have a podcast, and they were actually laughing at one point. They're like, "Yep, uh, it's on the boat." <laughs> and so like like I I can just imagine my copy of Spectre Ops is sitting on a boat somewhere, waiting to be emptied and sent my way. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I don't know, I, I think just about everybody at some point in their life has been, you know, sitting, has that one package coming to their house that they're super excited about, and they're just, like, they're checking UPS all the time, the tracking information, it's like, oh, it's in, it's, it, it's in Ohio, oh, it's in uh, Idaho, yay, hey, it's made it to California, now it's making its way to my town, you know? Can you imagine being a game company and having millions of dollars, probably, worth of games, like, oh, hey, it's uh, on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, check it the next day. Oh, hey, look, it's still on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Great. And uh, can you imagine that? Because, I, I, I mean, I don't know how long it takes, from, but it sure seems like it takes an awful long time from them to get uh, from one side of the ocean to the other. Well, one thing one thing that really hit me, because, I mean, you know, at the, at the end of the day, this is the, the price of doing business. This is just... What happens sometimes when when you're dealing with overseas shipping? But the the thing that struck me was I actually sent out a tweet about it when when the the biggest part of the news first hit. I go, man, you realize you're neck deep in a hobby when yeah. you're checking out when you're checking out <laughs> trade agreements for shipping ports in the West Coast just to see if you're going to get some cardboard. Like you know yeah, that this is that could important. Be problematic. <laughs> like if you had told me, by the way, Mike, 
you know, what? Let, let's see, uh, 10 years ago, Mike, you're going to be sitting here actively engaged in the, the shipping dispute and the labor union negotiations on Western West Coast shipping. I would have laughed at you. Because wh- I wouldn't care about that on my best day. Oh, wait. <laughs> suddenly they're holding back my, my cardboard. They're holding back the thing that I want. And suddenly I am very intrigued by the the balance of power between the union and the shipping companies. Because this is really important to me now. Yeah, we're nerds. Yeah. I mean, really, what are you going to do? But, but it, I mean, it, it really points out that you know, circumstances impact a lot of your thought process. Because, you know, when this is all over and I get my cardboard, I probably won't, I'll go back to not caring about this. And Well, and, and you know, that's something that we, we probably should keep in mind as well uh, when we are interacting with others. Right. And that's that's that what is, I was going for. You know, the, that what happens to be important to somebody on a given day it can be just completely random. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, that's where their headspace is on that day. Heck, for that matter, what happens to be important to us on a given day? It can be completely random. And, you know, one of the things that that, uh, that I've kind of run into a lot lately is people not having the kind of grace for others when they make a mistake or they overstate something, or they get a little too excited about something, and not recognizing that, you know what, this is not necessarily a pattern, and that we don't need to respond in full force when somebody does something once. Now, don't get me wrong, if a sin is a sin, and and yeah, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should should assist our our fellow... uh, believers, but you know what? We also could give grace. We can also step back and say, hey, wait a minute. You know, maybe this folks just having a bad day. Maybe he's you know, his board game got tied up and it for some reason that really made him angry. I don't know. Um but it's uh it's easy for us to get lost in our own head. To <laughs> To think the thing that we happen to be thinking about just at that moment is the most important thing on the planet when really maybe it isn't. Yeah, I mean, it cuts both ways. You, you, from from our perspective, you know, something can be so intense and so powerful and so, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. And in the grand scheme of things, it, it's not a big deal. So we do have to be able to step back, calm down, right. understand that not everyone is in the same spot as we are nor care as much. I mean, we talk about board games all the time. We talk about how it's big and important and valuable. And I can tell you right now, if I were to walk out through the center of my town and talk about the value of board games, three people would probably say, oh, that Monopoly thing's kind of fun. No, no. So you have to... Two. Two. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you got to understand that people are coming from different perspectives. On the other side, when somebody comes at you in this profoundly huge and awful or huge and over the top any positive negative whatever when they're coming at you from that place you got to realize hey maybe this isn't you know they're a terrible person maybe i'm just finding them in that moment finding them in that space because i i think we've all had that moment that moment of when you you stop yourself almost mid sentence, at least I've had it where it's been mid sentence, and been like, I really need to stop talking about this. I have been saying some truly awful things. Mm-hmm. I have been coming against people that I don't need to come against. I have been making people hurt when they really don't need me to do that. Right. And and you look around and you worry like. Wow, what have I done to these people? If you're if you're face to face with somebody who's if you're when you're face to face with somebody who's in that moment, it gives you that time to say, give this person some space, give them some time to breathe, and then we can fix this. 
Well, and and we've almost built a culture around this idea. Because we are one of the great benefits about the world that we live in is the fact that we get so much information so quickly. But one of the the not so good responses to that is we jump right on top of things. And we often respond to things that maybe somebody just somebody said and maybe they tweeted it or they or somebody over here heard them or whatever and yeah maybe it was a dumb thing to say but it it may be not reflective of their actual worldview or a piece of news might hit and we jump on it when it's not the full story it's not all of the information and it it's prudent and wise to as you said step back and wait and see what comes of it. There have been a bunch of articles recently talking about the idea of a call-out culture. Like, we feel obligated to call people out when they're they're being this and doing this. And, and they're, we're saying that it, in this one comment or this one action that we throw all this stuff on the very nature of their being. Like, they're not a person who's made a mistake or a person who misspoke. They are... Satan himself. And we've built a culture around that. And I'd love to say that Christians aren't doing that, but in some cases we're the worst offenders. And I can I can cite articles. One of them a great one was from uh Christ and Prop Culture recently. And I'm I'm going to have to make sure that once we stop recording I'm going to get that link so that when this goes live I can link it I can put that link on the, the show notes because there's this amazing quote of this, the idea of, of Twitter and how Twitter is the way to throw out 140 characters and then just have the world respond to that. And, you know, there's not a lot of context you can give in 140 characters. It doesn't make a, a stupid thing less stupid, but it means that <laughs> a bunch of people... It, you know, stupid is as stupid does, is the great Forrest Gump told us. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, there's there's no context with 140 characters. There's no background with 140 characters. You throw out a thing, and if if the, the vultures are circling, you're going to get thrown into a, a situation that you had no idea you were even close to getting into. Well, and you know what else there isn't with the 140 characters? There isn't relationship. Right. You know, without the benefit of being able to know someone and look them in the eye and know how they acted yesterday, know how they're acting today, and probably be able to know how they're going to act tomorrow, um, it's maybe better if we just hold our tongue. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that we should speak out. But we just should be a little bit wiser and a little bit slower about how we do that. Well, Mike, what do we got? How can people find out more about us? We've, I'm almost losing track, I'll be honest with you. We've got so much stuff going down. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on. InroadsMinistries.com is going to be where you're going to find everything. You can find contact information. You can find new articles. A great new article just recently. Uh, yeah, uh, Heather Johnson, our, our number one fan, or at least it's what I call her, she wrote uh, part one of a two-parter that she's going to put out there of her road from having never played a role-playing game in her life to running games for strangers and leading her son and his friends through games. Uh, awesome. Super excited to see that come out. Awesome. I, there's so much stuff I, I've lost track yeah, of. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to list all inroads plays. We've got events, we've got podcasts, a couple of different podcasts, and more coming. And, and I and I will tell you that that uh, our DM for the inroads plays, Jeff Romo, Jeff has come to me saying that he wants to get a lot more involved with what gets put on the site. Uh, he and I were talking about both individual articles as well as regular articles that he wants to start writing in the near future. I will not spoil them yet until they become closer to reality, but man, I'm excited to see them happen. So very cool. Go to inroadsministries.com. You'll find everything there. you find out how to connect with us. Episode 100 is coming. Coming soon. This was 96. We're counting it down. So we we definitely will be connecting with lots of old friends. 
uh, on that show, and uh, we would love for you to record a little thing. Say, hey, how how is Inroads Ministries and how has Game Store Profit uh, affected you? Why are you listening? What 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 do you think is good about the show? We're gonna keep it positive. You could send something negative too. We'll listen to it, but we probably won't put it on the air. Well, but, we probably won't put it in episode one hundred. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, just record something. Send us an MP3. It doesn't have to be great. Just do it on your phone. You know, all phones have little recorders on it. Just record something thirty seconds, a minute, whatever, and uh, send it off to. Uh, if you're one of those people who doesn't like the sound of their own voice, which I'll tell you what, I had to listen to a bunch of old recordings of us, and wow. It, I, I can I can feel your pain in that one because four years ago me sounds like an idiot. But uh, if you want to send us something, you can email us at the same email address. And I, I totally cut Luke off, but what he was gonna say was contact at inroadsministries dot com. That is what and, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this a while, so you can send it to contact at inroadsministries dot com and send us your your emails, your uh, voice clips, anything you want to send us. So, folks, uh, we are so thrilled that you've been around for 100 episodes, if you have, or one episode, if you have. Thank you, and we hope that you'll listen some more. We hope that you're going to head over to iTunes, head over to Stitcher, and say, hey, these guys are great. Uh, Tell your friends, and uh, remember that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.